Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romeverse. Steve here with Jimmy. We're back after a couple weeks off. We apologize. Uh, international break was kind of a planned absence, and then last week some personal things got in the way. So we are back again to talk Roma. We get to come in talking about back-to-back Roma wins in the league, Jim. Uh, sandwich in between was a draw against Servette in Europa League. So heading into this one, it was the win against Udinese 3-1, uh, a pretty solid win at the Olimpico, and then disappointing draw against Servette on the road, I'd have to say. So how did you feel coming into this match against Sassuolo, knowing, you know, our what we were coming off of? Sassuolo's been tough at times on Roma in terms of scoring goals against us. How are you feeling coming into this one? Sassuolo has always felt to me like one of those uh, fake little clubs, you know what I mean? Like, they, they, they aren't really that small in terms of their recent success. Granted, they're 15th in Serie A this season, so they're they're kind of a long way off from where they used to be in terms of qualifying for the Europa League, things like that, back kind of at the uh, peak of the Domenico Berardi hype might be the best way to, to quantify that. Uh, but I think all that time that Sassuolo spent being in and around the European places kind of solidified them for me as a major threat and not thinking of them as, you know, I might think a... Empoli or Salernitana or Lecce or Monza. To me, they are almost in the same space as Fiorentina, which we'll obviously be discussing as that's Roma's next match. Uh, they're a team that has some variance, but they always seem to at least be solid to good. Um, given that, I was expecting a tough match. Uh, I it, It's obvious that, as I said before, they're not at the heights that they used to be at, but they've got a intriguing young manager, uh, Alessio Dionisi, who has been linked to the Roma seat, uh, Roma job before. Uh, so I was also in tr- interested in that sense of because, you know, Dionisi is a guy who, you know, had a pretty ho-hum playing career, but has been able to build himself up pretty impressively into a one of the more exciting young Italian managers. So all those things made me kind of have my guard up even more than I normally do when Roma plays a smaller side, because as we know, Roma doesn't always uh, maintain its quality level when playing against smaller competition. Sometimes they play down to their competition. So I didn't. I was expecting either a draw or a close win um, coming into this one. So it was nice to get that close win. Yeah, definitely nice to get the close win. You know, coming into this one, I felt like we would get a response from Roma after that draw. Mourinho did not mince words, as you put it in the match preview. Uh, after that 1-1, and very disappointing. He gave some guys opportunities, felt like they didn't take the bull by by the horns. He let that be known. He doesn't name names in, in public, as he stated, but did let those players know it in the locker room. And, um, you know, for the most part, I thought Roma was the aggressor. I mean, you look at the attacking momentum, even up to the Sassuolo goal, you know, they... They were the team with more possession, uh, and then all of a sudden it was like the 25th minute. Sesswell scored that goal where it was kind of like a shank shot by Berardi, it seemed like, and it slid across the face of the goal, and Matias Enrique was there. They just tap it in, and all of a sudden Roma was down. You're like, oh, like that's, this, this doesn't feel like they should be down. Maybe they shouldn't be up. They weren't creating a ton yet, but possession was they a lot like the better side. Yeah, they were definitely the better side, and then – like Sofa Score does the attacking momentum graph that goes up and down based on who's got the attacking momentum. Really, the only time it spikes for Sassuolo is that goal. And then yeah. after that, it, it's all blue. And obviously, there's the, the red card in the 60th minute or so. Uh, let's see, exact minute was 63rd by uh, Daniel Boloka. 
But mm-hmm. even prior to that, it was a lot of Roma momentum. It just they weren't creating quality scoring chances and with a lot of that um momentum that they had. First half, their XG was only 0. 0.30 at the half, seven shots, two on target. Uh, I remember yeah. one of those being Dybala that was kind of it was high on Concili, but it was an easy save for him. There wasn't mm-hmm. a whole lot going on. Uh Sassuolo had actually a better XG off of just two shots on target themselves. So I was a little concerned when they went down. And then when they stayed down for as long as they did, because even when it got to that red card in the 63rd minute, you're like, like, when is that goal going to come? When's it going to come? Because Roma didn't get that goal until the 76th minute through Apollo Dybala penalty kick, which he took cool as ice, uh, cold as ice. I should say it wasn't even cool. It was, it was cold. I mean, he just slid it right into the bottom corner. Consili did everything right on that play. Um, Anything a goalkeeper could do on a penalty kick. He just slotted in nicely. And he um, had a great game in general, it should be said. Yeah, Consili's a solid keeper. He's a solid veteran. He's been around the block for a long time. Uh, he's been with Sassuolo for quite a while now. And, and you know, for a guy who's getting older, he, he does his job. Um, yeah, he's been there for a decade. He's been their starter, basically, for that entire time. Yeah, made five saves in this match. Uh, earned himself a, a 7.7 rate match rating, uh, conceding two goals. So that speaks to how solid he was for them. And then it was Rasmus Christensen with the winner, Jim. Uh, 82nd yeah. minute. Just about six minutes after the goal, you know, Rome was obviously pushing from the time they got that red card advantage about the 63rd minute. So they were they were pushing the wings up. Christensen came on at halftime. I was a little surprised when he came on for Karsdorp because, um, you know, Christensen hasn't been great this year for Roma. He hasn't really lived up to any expectations that we may have had for him. It was a fortunate goal. Uh, took a really wicked spin off of the defender's foot and Consili had no chances to spun into the net. But credit to Christensen. He drew the penalty kick. And then he scores the eventual winner off a big deflection. And uh, there he is, a guy who maybe we weren't expecting to even be involved in this match with Karsdorp starting, plays a big protagonist role. Yeah, I mean, I would say that one thing that I've always felt strongly about with Christensen is that he's a player who fights. Um, He's a player who pushes hard for victory. Is he the most talented player in the squad? I don't think anyone would argue that. But I would argue that in terms of sheer energy he brings to the pitch, it's he's up there in terms of that and coming off of Mourinho's comments poster vet it's not exactly surprising to me that Christensen got that 46 minute sub in especially given how you know Zeki Shellick uh played uh against Servet like I think that there were just some disappointing bench players in the Servet match and for Christensen to get the faith in the second half with, with Roma down 1-0 I think that indicates that for Mourinho, at least, Christensen is the type of player who he can trust to bring the energy that's necessary against any opponent. Um, and that's something they need to have. Uh, you can't really have players who are kind of slacking off in matches that they don't think matter as much. Uh, I think it's easy to notice uh, Hussein Alwar uh, didn't get on the pitch today. Uh, and pretty yeah. a lot of people were speculating that Alwar is who Mourinho was mainly referring to uh, regarding the Servette match. Some players just didn't seem to care. So I was impressed with Chris Simpson. Do I think he's a long-term solution at right back or right wing back or whatever we're going to call it in this formation? No, uh, I think he's a good backup. Uh, and in the same way, I will say uh, coming into this match, I was very cautious about what to expect from Leonardo Spinazzola, but I thought that he put in a decent 
put in a decent match this time around. Um, he played 67 minutes. Uh, he had 40 touches, two key passes, um, one shot blocked. Uh, he wasn't peak Spinatola, but I don't really know if we're ever getting that back again. What yeah. I what I wanted to see from him was at least, you know, like a zero wins above replacement performance. And I think that he logged a solid performance today, which is an improvement from a lot of what we've seen from him over the past month or so. Yeah, I don't think we're ever getting that prime Spinazzola back, unfortunately. Um, and for all we know, he's only with Roma for another, you know, half season at, at this rate um, because that contract renewal doesn't seem to be coming from Roma. So We'll see what happens with him. But, yeah, I thought he put in a decent shift. Um, you know, Dybala, of course, was was the main man yet again. Um, yeah. Played very well. <laughs> Penalty kick, obviously, you know, was the big play. Also had the assist on the Christensen goal. Um, three shots on target. I mean, 88% passing. Uh, four key passes. I mean, I could go on and on. You know, four of seven on crosses, four of four on long balls. He won four of seven ground duels. I mean... He is, I mean, we've said it plenty of times, but when he is on and healthy, there aren't many better than him in Serie A from an attacking perspective. I mean, we're, we're fortunate to be watching him on a week-to-week basis when he's fit, and he is a game-breaker for Roma. He, he was the difference maker last week. He was a difference maker tonight or yesterday, I should say, because it's not Monday, but like he, he is... As he goes, Roma goes in attack. And we saw it last season, and we're seeing it again this season. It's genuinely such a gift to be able to have Paolo Dybala and Romelu Lukaku be the starting forwards for this squad. Like, I, I have to remind myself that that's the reality right now and just, like, pinch myself once a week. Because as much as the starting, like, the first month or so of, the, of league play was not exactly impressive, We'll talk more about Roma getting back into the top four with this win, but this is kind of what you expect from a side that employed Paolo Dybala and Romelu Lukaku. You you expect them to be able to be in and around the Champions League spots. Mm-hmm. So having people want Roma to spend wisely. Some people want Mourinho gone. One of the biggest reasons why I'm hesitant to bid adieu to... Mourinho is because I'm pretty sure that losing Mourinho would probably mean losing Dybala and Lukaku as well. And I don't really know if Roma's going to be able to replace either of them in a like-for-like manner going forward if they don't hold on to them. So if we're able to get Champions League football with these guys, I'm pretty optimistic about the short-to-midterm future of the club just because we have Paolo Dybala and you don't. Um, and he's an incredible player. Yeah, he, he is an incredible player. There, there's no question about that. And and I, I, I agree. There's part of that with Mourinho, right? If, if he goes, do players like Dybala stick around another season? I, I think it's hard to see it happening unless they attract a manager of very you know, high quality or high reputation. Not even high quality because I think there's high quality managers that are up and coming. But the reputation to keep a player like that around, to make Lukaku want to stick around, um, I think Champions League football is a big part of that too. And you, you mentioned that. And Roma had a big opportunity in this match. And that was my biggest concern if they couldn't pull this match out was the fact that we knew Napoli was facing Inter right uh, about an hour after this match ended. And yeah. if Roma dropped points, it was a missed opportunity because they were three points behind Napoli 
with a better goal differential heading into this one, knowing if Napoli lost, Rome would be in fourth place level with Napoli and control the goal differential tiebreak at the moment. Um, so when it was looking bleak for a while into the 80th minute, like this is going to be yet another wasted opportunity, drop points against a team that's sitting in 15th this year. You mentioned it earlier. cesswell has got a reputation of being like that mid-table pesky club that could sometimes threaten for Europa League, and they haven't been that this year. And no. if Roma had lost this one, it would have been maybe not level on like dropping points to Salernitana or some of those sides, but it, it, it would have been pretty bad. I mean, you look at the teams that Roma's dropped points to. They've dropped points to Salernitana, who is way down the table in 20th place right now. They've dropped points to Verona, who's down in 18th place right now. Um, yeah. Lecce, 14th place. So, like, some of the teams that Roma's dropped points to, they have two teams in the relegation zone that they dropped a combined five points to. Um, and if you had dropped to the 15th place team, ugh, it's it's like, wow, like, you can't afford to do that because you're going to drop points to, to comp- direct competition for the European place. It's bound to happen. Those teams are... You know, on Roma's level, some are better, um, maybe yeah. some slightly worse, but could beat Roma on their day. And you can't afford to keep dropping points to teams that you are clearly better than. Um, and Roma, maybe the last two weeks, has gotten over that, we hope, um, because Udinese gave him a tough time for a while, and Roma took care of business in the end. Uh, the same thing happened yesterday against a, a tough Sassuolo side who didn't want to concede. Um, but two matches where the winners came after the 80th minute and it puts Roma into fourth place. Obviously, still early in the season. We've only played 14 matches. But updated table, you have Inter on 35 points, Juve 33, Milan 29, and there it is, Roma and Napoli on 24, Fiorentina on 23. Uh, Bologna drew yesterday, so they're on 22. Uh, Atalanta lost today on Monday to Torino 3-0, got beat up. Uh, so they're on 20. Lazio's on 20, who won one nothing up a man against Cagliari, but didn't impress from what I read. Uh, and from what I was told by my buddy who's a Lazio fan. So Roma, I think, has to be feeling pretty good about their position in the table right now considering they've lost four matches, and they're still in fourth place already after 14 match weeks. Yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't expect Roma to be in an actual Champions League spot after the 14th match week uh, based off of their first month or so of play. I don't think you, you did either, right? No. Um, like the fact that they are not only in fourth place but only five points off third, uh, I'm not going to call it a miracle because it has come through hard work. It's been good wins that have been stacked on top of each other consistently. Um, Roma has the second most potent offense in Serie A. That's a factor. Um, and I think that also just the simple point of Romelu Lukaku becoming integrated into the side. A lot of those points dropped that you mentioned did come before Lukaku, the deal got yes. finalized. And so I think that's also an important thing. As I said before, a team that is able to consistently start Paolo Dybala and Romelu Lukaku should be in the top four. It's, it's a major problem, and it's not. Um, so I think that the fact that we're able to have those guys play consistently and slowly get the likes of you know Lorenzo Pellegrini back, like he came in in the 67th minute today for, for Gianluca Mancini, um, having Stefan El Shirawi as an option, like our offense is pretty stacked at the moment. Yeah. Um, and it's the offense that I think a lot of people thought we had last year, or at least I felt like we had an incredibly stacked offense heading into last season. Uh, that offense was not to be for a wide variety of reasons. We're, we're now seeing what it looks like for Roma to have a more powerhouse offense. And that's an exciting thing. Um, it's something that makes me optimistic too going forward that as 
if I had to pick places for Roma to kind of reload, uh, I would probably put the wing backs and goalkeeper as the next priorities for um, either the winter or next summer. Those seem to be places where we're at our weakest right now. And it's really helpful to be able to just be confident that your striker core is pretty set. Um, I would imagine that having even Sardar Asmoon as like, I guess he probably would, would you say that he's the third striker in the depth chart right now? The fourth, like, where does he fit? Yeah, because I, like, I guess he's kind of like, cause you're not really considering Dybala a striker. I'd say, I'd say he's probably the, the third striker, but he's a little bit more of a second striker than Belotti, which is why I think he fits in a little bit more in certain um, situations than Belotti would. We've seen less of Belotti off the bench at times. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's because Asmoon's a bit more versatile in terms of yeah. where he can play. He's not like a target man. Um, as, as Nima, uh, you know, described him when I, when I talked about both Lukaku and Asmoon with his uh, inter and Iranian national team ties that he has, um, Nima. He described him more as a fox in the box, a guy who could just pop up on the end of a pass and, and score. And I think that's what Mourinho likes about him. Yeah. Um, it gives him a different look. You know, he's not big like Lukaku. He could run off Lukaku. Um, but I having think, that option, having yes. that opportunity to be able to say, okay, do I want to put in Andrea Belotti or do I want to put in Sardar Asmoon as mm-hmm. a striker sub is huge. It, it's um, very big, yeah. Huge. I mean, I'm a broken record on this, but the biggest thing holding Roma back over the years has always been depth. And it's not about even the quality of the starting 11 because the starting 11 has quite consistently had a lot of quality. It's about what happens mm-hmm. when multiple players get injured or you're playing multiple matches in a week. Uh, that's where you start to see the cracks in Roma over the course of the past decade. I think that's often been true. Um, so it's good that we have the striker rotation that's quite impressive. How long is that going to last? I mean, there's an open question of what happens to Tammy Abraham when he mm-hmm. finally comes back uh, to full health. He is training with the group again, though most people think he probably still has two to three months left of uh, time on the injury table before uh, being able to actually play. Uh, it's an open question what, what his role is going to be, how, or if he's not being, if we're not going to be able to sell him, like who might go instead of him. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of questions there, but for right now, this attack has been working wonders, and it's a big reason why Rome was in fourth. Yeah, very big reason. And, and I think back to some of the guys Roma's had through the years as like, the backup striker and like the options Roma has had. And yeah. what we have now is much better than that. You know, like Borja Mayoral was, was a serviceable guy. So I'm not going to, you know, trash him too much, but you think about having what Roma has now as striker versus him a couple seasons ago under uh, Fonseca. And you're like, give me this any day of the week. Right. I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking of the, I uh, can't think of his name off the top of my head, but, um, uh, Sedu Dumbia, like players like that, right? Like th- these names that like um, Ibarbo, the Colombian that they got from yeah. Cagliari, right? Like FIFA, FIFA legend, FIFA 14 yeah. legend, uh, Ibarbo. <laughs> the, these are like the guys Roma would bring in to, to, to play second fiddle to their starting striker. And you look, we had Jekyll for a while, who for a while was a good striker for Roma, but like the, the options behind him were never that good. I mean, Elder Shimordov, uh, just a couple years ago was our backup striker, you know, like, I I, ha- I think Pinto has to be given credit there that he has built a good, a very good group of strikers 
for Marina to work with this year. Attack is not the issue at all. It's such a change from last season. And when, you know, Roma was supposed to have a better attack and Tammy kind of underwhelmed, like they, they've covered that up big time. Um, yeah. I agree. I think in the winter, I think center back might be first priority just because we're going to need a, another body. I think with Indica going to AFCON in January and yeah. Smalling's injury issues that, that we don't know if he's even a play by new year, according to Mourinho, uh, yeah. pre-match presser, which is concerning. Um, but I know wing back has been brought up. Um, I think goalkeeper is going to be a summer priority for sure. But attack is if, if this group is back, even if Tammy is sold for funds to reinforce elsewhere, if if Lukaku and Dybala are back, this Roma right now, I'm looking at the goal scoring chart. This team has scored the second most goals in Serie A behind yeah. the first place Inter. Yeah, 27 scored. The issue's been on the back end, which where it wasn't last season. They've conceded 16, um, where the top two sides, Inter and Juve, have conceded seven and nine. But you look through the rest of the table, the only other team that's considerably better is Bologna on 11. You know, Milan 15 yeah. conceded, Roma 16, Napoli and Fiorentina 17, uh, Lazio not a lot of 15 and 16. So they're they're kind of, it makes sense why the table looks the way it does. You know, the, the yeah. numbers are the numbers. You know, XG's fun and all these stats are fun, but in the end, goals allowed and goals scored are, are the big difference makers in the table. And Inter has scored the most and conceded the fewest, and they're in first place. Um, yeah. Juve maybe not as high flying on offense, but they don't concede much. And then mm-hmm. you see from three down through nine, which is separated by nine points, decent amount. But, you know, all these teams are in the mix for Europe pretty much. And you look at them and outside of Lazio, who's really struggled to score this year, the goal differential is pretty similar for a lot of these teams. Yeah. And and I think that speaks volumes to why the, the table looks the way it does. And, and that so many teams are still in contention, why Roma is still in contention. And now in fourth place after such a slow start because Milan's been inconsistent, Napoli's been inconsistent, Fiorentina's been inconsistent, uh, Bologna's been a, a very pleasant surprise, I think, for the league. Um, Tiago Mota, if if you know Mourinho goes, sign me up for Tiago Mota because he's doing great work there. Uh, Atalanta's been very poor lately. Lazio mixed form. It they're it it's very telling. I mean, I'm looking right now at the form guide for the last five. Inter and Juve both four wins and a draw, and the draw was at head. Uh, mm-hmm. Milan, two wins, two draws, a loss. Roma, three wins, uh, a draw, and a loss. Napoli, two wins, two losses, and a draw. Fiorentina, two wins, three losses. Uh, Atalanta, a win, a draw, and three losses. Lazio, yeah. two wins, two losses, and a draw. Um, so it, it, it's just the inconsistencies of everybody. And if Roma can overcome their inconsistencies, especially in these upcoming head-to-heads, I think they could put themselves in a very strong position by, by 2024. Oh, without a doubt. I agree with that. I mean, looking ahead to the next couple matches, uh, we've got Fiorentina next week. Mm-hmm. We've got the Sheriff match. We've got Bologna. We've got the Derby del Sole um, against Napoli on the 23rd. And we've got Juventus on the 30th. So there are two matches there that unfortunately are back-to-back uh, that are going to be quite a challenge against Napoli and, and Juventus. So they're going to be hard matches. Yeah. Um, but looking at the other three, I think that it's fair to say that Roma should be able to get six points in the league from Fiorentina and Bologna. And that Sheriff win, I mean, if they're able to win that and get, they, it's not an absolute must to be first in the group, but it's a very, very nice to have. 
Yeah. Uh, because it just makes your life so much easier as you're going through the knockout rounds to be one of the seated groups versus one of, one of the seated teams versus not. Um, still, uh, I think that the next three matches should be a chance for Roma to rack up some points, get get some rotation in when when possible, and then really steal itself up for that Christmas and New Year's match against Napoli and Juventus, respectively. Yeah, and Napoli, I, I said it when, uh, you know, it really the shit started really hitting the fan with Garcia. I, I don't think Mazzotti's a great hire. Um, no, not, not it's a stopgap. I think De Laurentiis didn't want to get stuck with a manager for more than the rest of this season. That project is a sinking ship right now, and they have to play Juve this coming week. Wild weekend. to me. It's yeah. just wild that that's happening. I mean, I don't know what it would have taken to get Spalletti to stick around, but uh, whatever it was, they should have pursued it harder because without Spalletti, they are in a whole bunch of disarray. They're losing Osiman to AFCON uh, in January. So we'll get to see him before he goes, unfortunately, for us. But I feel like I can say this. I feel like I can say that because, like, Roma now has very no nonsense ownership. Napoli has the exact opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding of why that a, a lot of why Spalletti left was because of clashes with ADL. Yeah. Um, this is the price that you pay when you have a hothead as your owner. Um, and it's one of the many reasons why I'm happy to have the Friedkin group running Roma as opposed to the Pelota era because Pelota was never necessarily as bad as, uh, you know, ADL in this respect, but it's not like he was that great either. Um, he, I mean, like it felt like every season, Pelota had some spat with somebody, uh, whether that was Medi Benatia or mm-hmm. another or another coach or something along those lines. There was a lot of bad blood happening. Yeah, and it's nice to have quiet ownership because it means that when things go well, people feel more inclined to stick around. Like let's like let's be honest. I I'm sure that on some level Mourinho is like not thrilled that Roma has decided to do a wait and see approach with renewing his contract. I'm sure he'd like to have that all tied up. But at the same time, we've gotten zero indication that there's that if he they offer him a contract that he'll say no, um, which yeah. makes me think. And I think a lot of that comes down to, and he's said repeatedly in interviews that like he appreciates the culture that freaking group institutes at the club i think it's a very professional culture uh so i'm grateful that napoli doesn't have bloody anymore because i do i don't know if they would have repeated this year but i think they'd be a lot closer to repeating than they are right now mm-hmm. um if they had bloody still in charge i think they'd be tough for roma to catch for sure yeah i think it would be a lot harder for roma to get top four with a spalletti led napoli also Whatever happened with the whole Osimhen thing with like him almost demanding a trade out, transfer yeah, out? Yeah, like, I don't know what happened with that, but if the rest of the season continues like this and they don't get Champions League, I wouldn't be shocked if he had sold off for funds. Um, yeah. yeah. But that him, whole thing disappeared very recently. Both him and Kavara are very impressive players, and I'm so curious about how long they actually stay at Napoli because Kavara in particular, I would – bet my bottom dollar on like a Manchester United at some point just deciding to drop the fat stacks. Because he's only 22, um, which is still kind of wild to me that he's only 22 because he's been so good since he joined 
Napoli last year. Um, anyway, we'll see what happens with them. Uh, I hope that they or that Napoli loses uh, their next game against Juventus because that could put them in a worse spot uh, when they face us on the 23rd. Uh, we want them at their weakest because obviously, even if they've got their fair share of problems, the quality in that team is still substantial. Yeah. Um, yeah, this weekend could be big for Roma. I mean, they ha- they host Fiorentina, who has been very inconsistent, like I mentioned. Um, three losses in their last five. And Atalanta is hosting Milan. Uh, we just mentioned Napoli is going to, to Juve. I mean, if Juve beats Napoli and you get somebody, somebody's going to drop points to the Atalanta-Milan match, maybe a draw would be ideal, probably, or, or Milan even losing. And Roma is like, Got a big opportunity again against Fiorentina on Sunday afternoon, and they'll know both results before that match kicks off. They'll know if they could even push closer to third place. So, um, but I think even more importantly than, than pushing to third would be if Napoli loses to to get some some breathing room. Okay, get three yeah. points in between the two of them. Um, yeah. Obviously, can't overlook Fiorentina. But I'm looking at the next three you mentioned uh, in the league. Obviously, not not counting Sheriff. In some ways, Bologna worries me more than the other two because Bologna's been the most consistent of these sides. Um, yeah. And that could come back to bite me. Uh, I could see Roma losing to any of these teams because we know Roma has their own consistency issues. But Roma's got points in their last four. Uh, the others can't say that. So I'm, I'm looking at the schedule. And then after the Juve one, you know, right before Christmas, right after New Year's is Atalanta. So Roma's got chances to either really cement that place in the top four or you know, make things very uneasy. Yeah. And um, hopefully it's more the, the the former than the latter. Yeah. I mean, if there's something that I feel like I've been noticing about this incarnation of Roma, it's that it really does have a never say die attitude, which yes. gives me hope. Uh, I remember even before this match, um, Roma had the most goals in the last 15 minutes of play of any Serie A side this season. And then, of course, you know, that happened again, that Roma was able to score two, um, one in the 76th minute and then in the 82nd minute. So Roma clearly has kind of a, I hate, I hate the overuse of this phrase, but like the Grinta is definitely there yes. um, with this side. Like they, they really push. And that's something that we haven't seen a lot with Roma over the past couple of years. I've always felt like one of Roma's problems was that it had a bit of a glass jaw sometimes. Uh, one one goal could just totally ruin the mentality of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're seeing a side that will fight back and will go. And when they're down a goal, they'll be like, "Okay, screw you. We're going to score two then." Um, and that's really important to develop. So that gives me optimism going forward. That you know, even if Roma doesn't win all of its matches, that there's going to be a certain amount of determination to get that Champions League spot, so that they will be fighting for it until the end of the season. That, that my, my, after about half the year, uh, half the season, I guess, is where we're getting close to now. Um, that's my read of this team, that they're going to fight for it. And are they guaranteed to get it? No, but I really do think they're going to fight for that Champions League spot. And Jim, I just happen to have some numbers to back up what you're saying. Uh, updated total in the last 15 minutes to play this season, we're almost scored 13 goals. Yeah, um, I don't know if that's league and Europe combined. Um, Wayne Gerard tweeted out he didn't mention if it was just legals, but 13 in the last 15 minutes of play, even if it is with Europe included, Roma's only played 19 matches total this season. 
To have 13 yeah. goals in the last 15 is huge. It's huge crazy, number. yeah. yeah. Um, and speaking of attitude, Mourinho was asked about the attitude of the team today after the victory. And um, this was from Daz, and they said today the, there was the right attitude. And today, too, you won at the last minute. He said, victory for the players and Roma supporters who arrived at the stadium. I thank the owners and director Pinto, who in the last 24 hours have given and offered me the support and emotional stability I need to carry out this job. It's a great victory, hard fought and deserved because our team was the best, even at a goal down. I'm very happy for the players and our fans. I want to dedicate a word to my fantastic assistant Foti, who was out but worked a lot for this victory. I speak Portuguese because my Italian is not sufficiently polished and strong to express certain concepts. When I talked about emotional stability, I was talking about a quality necessary in football to perform at the highest levels. When Sassuolo didn't receive the ball because of my staff, I approached my colleague and said that to receive fair prey is necessary to give it. And in Sassuolo, there's a player who lacks that quality. Um, <laughs> he did have to throw in that dig at Berardi again, I guess, there. Um, had he threw it at the pre-match. But interesting that he mentioned the ownership and Pinto there. So I don't know what the conversation was, if there was anything about his future or whatnot. But he threw uh, um, some thanks in there. Yeah. Um, Mourinho is if, – if the Friedkin group is very good at staying quiet, uh, Mourinho is very good at not staying quiet. He, yeah, he's he is, good at the opposite. <laughs> yeah, he, he is the pit bull to the Friedkin group's silent perspective, which I think is a good balance to have, honestly. I'd rather have a coach who kind of dukes it out in the media than an owner. Um, but – I would also say, you know, regarding Berardi, uh, I did find that kind of funny. Um, I don't know if he's wrong, because uh, I, I do think that uh, Berardi has been known over the years to not necessarily be the cleanest player. Um, at the same time, you know, Roma has had, had its fair share of uh, dirty plays in the past. So I can't, those in glass houses, I can't judge too much. Um, we'll see. I, I think that, what, what's your take on Mourinho now that we have gotten back into fourth place? Is he someone, has it changed your opinion on whether you want him to stick around at all? I mean, I, I've kind of been on the wait and see mindset. I do like a lot of the things he's done for Roma in terms of the mentality, for sure. Bringing in player, you know, the player recruitment piece of it. There, the, the football itself at times, um, leave some to be desired. I know, I know Brent is, is, is absolutely tired of it. He was messaging us during the match about like wanting this like nightmarish football to end. But if we finish in fourth place, bring him back. Right. Because then you have a little more revenue to even bring in more quality players to go along with some of the, the Dybala's and the, the Lukaku's of the world, hopefully. And maybe he could really start to cook. Like we know he can as a manager in, in big time tournaments um, and maybe in the league. So I'm still on a wait and see. I think you have to get through this Christmas run right right after New Year's when they play, um, I think, Atalanta to close out that hellish stretch that they have coming up to really yeah. get a, a true read on, on what we think we need to do with him. But um, it, it is certainly trending in the right direction, at least in the league right now. Of course, we just mentioned that four or five match stretch. Still a lot to come. Um, and in terms of the psychology of the club, I, I think important to see what he said, too. He said, we work hard to have this permanent attitude. Today, halftime, we were losing, but I was calm and satisfied with the boys. If we had lost, I would have gone to Trigoria. I lived there frustrated, but not sad with the boys. They were a team from the first minute. For now, we can breathe. Now there will be a match on Sunday, and we can breathe a little bit because it was hard. 
So mm-hmm. he talked about that permanent mentality. And I, I really do think it's taking root um, in these two and a half years that he's been here. I, I really do feel like Roma's mentality has shifted. They're much more mentally tough than I've ever seen them in my almost two decades watching this club. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree there. And I think that's probably the best thing that we've gotten from Mourinho uh, during his time as manager. I would agree that sometimes the less than magic football that we're seeing doesn't always make me thrilled. Uh, It's not always the prettiest. I will also note, though, that I'd rather be winning with ugly football than losing with pretty football. Yeah, because we've had that. We've had plenty of losing with pretty football before, and it turns out that eventually the pretty football also goes away, so then you're just having ugly football and losing, um, which is the worst possible situation. So I'm also in the wait-and-see group in general. Um, I think that this will all hinge on whether or not Roma gets Champions League football this season. Um, And, you know, looking ahead, I have some confidence that Roma will be able to go pretty deep in the Europa League this season. I have some confidence that with the right moves in January, uh, hopefully to shore up the defense a bit, uh, the Giallarossi will be able to make this happen, uh, make their make their multiple competition fight actually more successful than it was last year. Uh, but yeah, overall, I feel like Roland's in a good in a pretty good spot. Yeah, I, I think considering the start we had to the season, I think we are in as good of a spot as we could have hoped for. I, I don't think there's any denying that. I think if you had told any of us um, that watch this club on a week-to-week basis after match week three when we lost to Milan, like, would you take fourth? Well, I think if you told us, would you take fourth place at any point in the season, we'd say yes. But if you said by by match week 14, we'd be in fourth going into this tough stretch, really starting to feel good about ourselves, like, would you take it? And we would, we would say sign me up in an instant, right? Um, I, I think... Anywhere from three on is a distinct possibility at this point. I think Milan still has a little bit of an edge over us. They have some space in the table. But I think anywhere from three three down, Roma could finish. And if they can get through this stretch and get themselves feeling really good going into the new year, I think third or fourth is a distinct possibility. And I think if uh, you know we know that this distinct possibility, Mourinho can also manage the Europa League differently. He can manage his players differently, especially if we stay in decent health. I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. Yeah, no, I agree. And health is going to be the name of the game here. Uh, and also just a little bit of luck in terms of what we were talking about before. Like Napoli falling apart a bit would definitely be helpful. Uh, it will be interesting to see what happens to the likes of Atalanta and Lazio. I mean, they're both in eighth and ninth place respectively, but they're mm-hmm. only four points behind Roma at the That's moment. That's the thing. Yeah, so, it's like a lot of clubs very tight. Yeah, and I definitely find it more engaging when there's more parity in the league and, you know, people have complained about Mourinho's, you know, points scored uh, per match situation where they're like, oh, he's the least successful manager that Roma's had since the Americans took over. But you got to remember how much of a wasteland the uh, Serie A kind of was outside of Juventus, Roma, and sometimes Napoli uh, for a long time during the 2010s. So, if Roma, I'll, I'll really appreciate it if Roma's able to get third or fourth this season just because I know that there's a solid nine or ten sides right now who could be fighting for a top five finish. For sure, yeah. Don't, don't let Lazio being in ninth or, or Adelante in eighth fool you right now, right? They are still well within striking distance, and Roma has to be 
you know, aware of that. So just to wrap, Jim, uh, Fiorentina on Sunday, it's the late Sunday match, the 245 Eastern, 845 in Central Europe uh, at night. So by then, most most results will be in, all the ones that matter to, to Roma especially. Um, you know, this Fiorentina side, coming off a 3 nothing win against Salernitana, but they do have a Coppa Italia match midweek. So they have some midweek work to do where Roma finally gets a midweek off. Um, that should be good for the Giallarossi to, to rest up a bit and get a Fiorentina side that playing Parma will, will probably rotate fairly heavily, but still another match to focus on. Um, but Fiorentina in the league, again, some of the better sides, they've been through a pretty tough stretch in late October into November. one nothing lost to Lazio. one nothing lost to Juventus. 2-1 win over Bologna. one nothing uh, lost to Milan all in a, a, a row. Uh, and then they finally righted the ship, the ship against Salernitana. So it kind of explains why they have uh, two wins and three losses in their last five. They've played four pretty good sides. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that shows that if you could defend well, which Roma can do in pretty long stretches when they want to, like against Inter, um, mm-hmm. this Fiorentina side can be held in check from a goal-scoring standpoint. They were held scoreless by Lazio, Juve, and Milan. And Milan's had their own defensive struggles this year. Yeah, I think it's a definite possibility. I think it's also important to note that, at least in Serie A, they only have two goal scorers with more than five goals to their name. Uh, Nico Gonzalez and Giacomo Bonaventura. Everyone, the next next is, uh, is Lucas Martinez, who has two goals. Um, they are not necessarily the most offensively-minded team uh, in the sense that they have a wide variety of options. And I trust Roma's, Roma's defense hasn't been fantastic this season, but individual defenders are still doing a pretty good job of handling individual goal scores or goals. Like, you know, they can make a defense, uh, an offensive player disappear. So if you're able to do that to like Bonaventura or Gonzalez, it becomes that much easier to get that clean sheet that you're discussing, which, you know, I, I think that there's a good chance that Roma's able to get the win uh, a week from now against Fiorentina. Yeah, at the Olympico, I feel pretty good about it. Uh, obviously, Roma can't take it for granted. Fiorentina is a is a, a European side. They're playing in the Conference League. They made a Conference League final last year. Um, and on their day, they could be really good. But I do think that Roma, if they play their game, can take care of business against Fiorentina. Um, and if, if that happens, we'll be back here in about a week's time talking about Roma still sitting in fourth place with uh, not a decisive European match coming up, but one that it would be more beneficial to win and get some help and finish first. But you know what? At this point in this stretch, now that Roma is unlikely to win the group, I think you put all your eggs in the league basket until the the, the knockout rounds of Europa com- commence. You take whatever Champions League team that you're given and, and you, you give it your best shot like you did against Salzburg last year if you get the right draw. Um, it's just two extra matches, which it's not ideal to play those two extra matches. But I think in this stretch, I think you, you focus the – main energies i think on fiorentina and bologna sandwiched around that that um sheriff match yeah i would agree with that i think that i'm never going to be someone who says you only prioritize the league over europe because i want to see roma win a title and roma is way more likely at this point to win a europa league than Serie. uh however i agree i think that there are definitely champions league sides that are going to be in third in their group that roma could face and do decently against um, I don't know if that'll actually happen, but and for all we know, Roma ends up first in the league through, I mean, first in their group stage through through luck. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, I'm I'm feeling, you know, on a scale of one to ten, how I'm feeling about Roma. 
right now, I'd probably say a seven. Uh, definitely feeling way better than I anticipated I would a month ago, which is a fantastic Agreed. place to be in. Yeah, I agree. I, I think if you ask me on a scale of like one to 10, how you feel about Roman, I'd go with about a seven because there, there's still plenty to work on. Um, you know, results like Thursdays against Servette still leave you scratching your head sometimes. But when you consider the start we had and the fact that we're in fourth place, I'll take it. Look ahead to Fiorentina and hopefully we'll be back here in a week talking about it, three more points and, and Roma, you know, solidifying that spot. So, Jim, anything you want to leave the listeners with before we, we wrap up here? Uh, not much. I would just say, you know, keep keep reading the website. Uh, we're, we're trying to we, we're we're down some writers at the moment. Uh, but at the same time, we're still trying to turn out good stuff for you to read. Uh, we love that we're one of the main places for English language Roman news on the Internet. So, you know, keep reading, keep listening. And thank you all for uh, paying attention. Yeah. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next week.